Let's pray. Father, we, uh, we love you. and God, may we be a people who don't take life for granted. But God, we come today to celebrate you, to worship you, to put aside all of our stresses and anxieties and problems. And, and we come just to focus on you and to know you and to love you. And we thank you, God, that you have just been so good. Each person in here, God, just the fact that they're here today and breathing and alive is your grace and your goodness. And we love you. And we're so grateful for what you're doing in and through us. And so, Father, I pray that you would take um, these words that I'm about to share today and would you make them alive? Would you bring encouragement to those who need it? Would you bring strength to those who need it? And God, I pray that your word would come alive to them in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen, amen. I did not get a chance to do this actually when I showed up. I forgot to give it to the ushers. But I do actually have notes for the message today. So if you would like them, would you just raise your hand? And maybe we can just, can we get the ushers just to grab some real quick? I'm sorry to do that at this point right now. But I, I do want to get this to you real quick. So if you have your Bibles, how many you have your Bibles with you? Come on, let me see some Bible waving. All right, good. All right, let's go to Luke chapter 6. I want you to go to Luke chapter 6. And uh, seeing that this, this was a, more of a lengthier video, I'm going to try to shorten my message a little bit today. Um, but I'm not making any promises. Um, but we're going to go to Luke chapter 6. And then, uh, can you do this? Can you actually go to John chapter 11? And I want you to hold your finger in two places today. Uh, Luke chapter 6. We're going to start there, and then we're going to go to John chapter 11. I'm ringing just a little bit. You might want to bring it down just a little bit. Luke chapter 6. We're going to go in verse 46, and then we're going to go to John chapter 11. So let me set up what I want to share with you today. Uh, so you can kind of prep your heart and, and, and really ask the Lord to, to do something in you. And hopefully this will hit home for many of you. Here's the thing I want to deal with today is, what do you do when what you expect from God doesn't happen? How do you respond when what you expect God to do doesn't happen? Just doesn't happen. So we're going to go to Luke chapter 6, and I want to share with you, and, and, and I'm going to get very uh, honest today about some, some of the things of, that we've walked through and, and are continually walking through, as, as many of you know. Uh, we're not done with this battle that we're in right now. Um, so I, I want you to hear me say this, first of all, is that everything that I'm preaching you today is stuff that I continually am preaching to myself every day. Okay, so I'm I'm not coming to you as somebody who's talking about what God did. And, uh, and we got the miracle and it's all there. I'm coming to you as somebody who's still fighting. You all, you all, need, you all hear me on that? And so I, I, I want you to hear hopefully the honesty and, and even maybe some of the pain of, of some of the things that I'm going to share. So let's look at this. Luke chapter six, verse 46 says this. Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and not do what I tell you? Everyone who comes to me and hears my words and what? What does it say? 
and does them, I will show you what he is like. He is like a man building a house who dug deep and he laid the foundation on the rock. And when a flood arose, the stream broke against that house and could not what? Couldn't shake it because it had been well built. But here's our second person. But the one who hears and what does he do? does not do them. He is like a man who built a house on the ground without a foundation. And when the strings broke against it, immediately it fell. And the ruin of that house was great. Here's a couple of things. I don't know if you've ever heard anybody preach from this passage before. Most of the times when you, I've ever heard somebody preach from this passage, it's been this way. The person who built their house on the rock built their house on Jesus. And that was a Christian. The person who didn't build their house on the rock was a non-Christian. How, how many of you have heard somebody preach it that way, right? That's not true. It's not true at all. This passage is actually talking about people who are Christians. He starts off with them saying, why do you call me Lord, Lord? These are people who go to church. Nobody else calls him Lord, Lord, unless you know God, right? So he says, why do you call me Lord, Lord, and yet you don't do what I say? So what we have here is we actually have some, we have two Christians. We have one Christian who says, Lord, Lord, and hears words and does them. And he says, the person who hears it and does it, he's got a strong house, right? He can withstand anything. Then you got the other Christian who's here and says, Lord, Lord, hears God's word, but doesn't do them. And what happens to him? This house is ruined. It's great. I don't know if you've ever been hurt, if you've heard this before, but I, I, I pray if we've ever preached in this way that we would repent of this, but that by coming to Jesus, that you wouldn't go through storms. And here's the truth. Jesus doesn't, prom you a, a, uh, doesn't promise you a storm-free life. He promised you a storm-proof one. Y'all hear me? Jesus does not promise you a storm-free life. People think when I follow Jesus, then life's going to be great. Life's going to be easy. He doesn't promise that. He never promises that. He promises to be storm-proof, meaning that you can get through it. He doesn't promise that it won't come. So I want to share two things with this, with this, uh, cha- with this particular couple of verses. And then I want to jump to John chapter 11 and share a story where this, you're going to see this work out. But number one is this storms are inevitable. If you're taking some notes, storms are inevitable as Americans. I, I, I think we hear all the time that if we build our house on Jesus, then rain doesn't come. Storms don't come, but how many of you have followed Jesus long enough to know that that's not true. Storms come. The idea is that your house still stands. And, uh, and, and let me say this, and I don't, I mean, this usually doesn't preach good, but if you haven't faced a storm, you will soon. Rain's coming. Flood's coming. It's coming your way. So if it's not here now and you're in a good season, I'm excited for you, but I just want you to know the storm's coming. Storms are inevitable. Number two is this, is that storms are oftentimes unexpected. Most of the time, storms are unexpected. You don't get a Doppler 3000 to go and look and see when a storm's coming, right? There is not one person in this room that your life could not change with one phone call. Nobody in here. You are, we are all one phone call away from our life being a total wreck, right? I mean, I was just working. 
10 o'clock, working, going through my normal day, and I get a normal phone call from my wife, which seems normal, and I pick up the phone, and I hear, there's something wrong with Joel's heart. And it changed everything from that day forward. Storms are not expected. Some of the most horrific tragedies that we have faced really as pastors and many counseling and, and, and times of helping you has been when a storm came in your life that you didn't expect. I mean, I just went to two weeks ago, I went to a good, good friends of ours where the, the, uh, the, the girl, her brother shot himself. She got a call three in the morning. Didn't know that that was coming. How many have been following the news this past week? Tornadoes hitting all of Oklahoma. They didn't know that was coming. And some of it, but they didn't, I mean, tore through it. I actually just got off the phone with my brother this morning. He still doesn't have electricity in his house. They didn't know that was coming. They have some ideas, but they don't. I remember 13 years old, getting a phone call, lived in Dallas, that my grandfather had passed away from a massive heart attack. We didn't know that was coming. Pastor Bubba faced cancer twice. He didn't know that was coming, Right? And you fill in your blank. You got something. Maybe it was a passing of a loved one. Maybe it was a diagnosis of a disease. Maybe it was a loss of a job that you didn't see coming. But what do you do when you expect something to happen and it doesn't happen? And then what you don't expect to happen happens. What do you do? How do you handle that? So this is what I want to share kind of in my last times with you is this. You're going to face storms of death, storms of divorce, storms of debt, storm. These storms are going to come through. But how do we handle it? I want to I want to share just one scripture and then we're going to go to John 11. You don't have to turn here, but it's in first Corinthians chapter three. And it says this for no one can lay a foundation other than that which is laid, which is what? Jesus Christ. I'm going to share this this quote with you. And it is probably one of the most Amazing quotes that I've heard when it comes to foundations. And it says this, whether people stand or fall depends more on the foundation than on the intensity of the storm. Whether people stand or fall depends more on the foundation than the intensity of the storm. Some people can go through just a rainstorm and it crushes their world. Some people can go through a tornado and still stand. So the intensity of the storm really does not matter whether it's a lifelong disease that only one in one in one million people get or it's the flu or it's a death or if it's a loss of a job, whatever the storm may be, doesn't matter. What matters is what did you build on? What is your life built on? That's what matters. So I want you to go to John chapter 11. And we're going to stay here for the rest of our time. And we're going to read a very familiar story. And I want to share with you four deep, unshakable truths. The title of of my message is called Unshaken. Partly is because of the scripture that I shared that we we went through, which was Psalm 62 that God gave us in New Year's, um, which is the fact that we will be unshaken if our hope and our trust, if we put our refuge in Christ, that we will be unshaken. And so then we got this news of what we went through for 42 days and then now are still going through now. And so I've entitled this thing unshaken. And so I want to share with you, how do we stand unshaken? And that's for you just as much as it is for me. How do we stand as a people that are unshaken? So John chapter 11, we're going to catch up with a story of a man named Lazarus. How many of y'all know this story? Okay, so if you know the end, don't spoil it. All right. 
All right. So now a certain man, we're going to start in verse one. Now a certain man was ill, Lazarus of Bethany, the village of Mary and her sister Martha. It was Mary who anointed the Lord with uh, ointment and wiped his feet with her hair, whose brother Lazarus was ill. So their sister sent to him. They sent to Jesus and they said, Lord, he whom you what? You love is ill. But when Jesus heard it, he said, this illness does not lead to death. It is for the glory of God so that the son of God may be glorified through it. Now, Jesus, what loved Martha and her sister Lazarus. So the first deep, unshakable truth that you need to write down is Jesus is love. Jesus is love. Now, I want you to notice something here when they their their brother sick. okay, And he's getting worse. And so they want to send a message to Jesus, who is actually their best friend. Their best friend is Jesus. And by the way, this guy can actually heal people. So, hey, why don't we get in touch with him? We'll bypass the doctors and go to Jesus. And so they decide, okay, it wasn't, it wasn't, couldn't tweet or text him or call him. They had to write a letter, get it in somebody's hand and go send it, go find Jesus. And so they write a letter to him. And I find this letter... Very weird because the letter doesn't begin to talk about how much they love God. It talks about how much Jesus loves him. Because look what it says. This man whom you love, Lazarus, whom you love is what? Is sick, period. Send that. It would have been a tweet. It was 140 characters or less. (laughs) He whom you love is sick. Get here now, right? How how many of you would say that whenever you're battling some type of storm in your life, how many would 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 be honest here and say probably the first thing that you that goes into your mind is God doesn't love me. God must not love me. Or you start thinking, what have I done to deserve this? Right. Let's all be honest. We all get there. You start tracking through your mind. Okay, what have I done? What have I done? Okay, was, is there something that God's trying to do? Is he, is he doing something to me? God must not love me. And multiple times, I think this is for us, multiple times in this passage, it talks about how much God, how much Jesus loved Lazarus and Mary and Martha. He loved them. It says it four or five times just in a matter of five or six verses. Because he wants to remind them that their Sickness is not based off of God not loving them. Okay? Why he is sick here is, has nothing to do with that. It says, Lord, he whom you love is ill. So here's the truth. If we, can, if we can continue to come back to this place that Jesus loves me. We say it so kind of flippantly sometimes, right? Jesus loves me. Jesus loves me. But if we can come to this truth that Jesus loves me then whatever comes into your life, let me ask you this question. Is it out of love or hate? Oh, let me ask it again because it doesn't seem like everybody knows. If Jesus loves you, then whatever comes into your life, good or bad, is it out of love or hate? Love, right? Okay, so let's just, let's let that one sink in. You lost your job. God love you or hate you? You went through a nasty divorce. God love you or hate you? He loves you. 
Did, we, did, did God tell you why? Probably not. Probably not. Does he have to? Nope. We're going to get to that one here. But Jesus loves you. Um, one of the things that has, when we were in the hospital, uh, and, and as you saw in that video, we went through some really dark days. And so one of the things that we like to do is sing. And so the, the thing that I, Joel and I used to sing all the time was Jesus loves me. It's a kid's song, but do you know how powerful that song is? Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. Little ones to him belong, they are weak, but he is strong. I can't tell you how many times I've cried singing that song. Because we were in a really weak moment. And I wasn't singing that song just to him. I was singing it to me. Because I was weak. And can I just go ahead and say this? And this might not be most popular either. It's okay to be weak. Actually, God resists the proud and the strong. But he gives grace to the humble. He gives strength to the weak. So a lot of people say, well, God won't give me more than I can handle. Wrong. Wrong. He gives you way more than you can handle. You know why? Because then you're finally weak. Then he can actually do something. Right? So, so whoever tells you like, oh, God's not going to give you more than you can handle. Just say, I'm sorry, but you're wrong. Because the truth is anybody that's really lived life long enough will know God will give you a lot more than you can handle. Why? So you can come back to him. Because God's not going to put anything in your life that's going to make him not have to be there. Right? So Jesus loves you. Oh, let's, let's keep reading though. Let's keep reading. Verse 4. But when Jesus heard it, so we know that the message got to Jesus. Okay? It said, this, this illness does not lead to death. It is for the glory of God, so that the Son of God may be glorified through it. Now Jesus loved, here we go, loved Martha and her sister Lazarus. So when he heard that Lazarus was ill... He hurried up, got on his donkey, took off with his 12 disciples to where Lazarus was, walked in, said, everybody step out of the way, laid his hands on Lazarus, said, get up, boy, let's go. We got some fishing to do. All right, come follow me. Right? But that's what you expected to say, right? I mean, five verses he built up about how much Jesus loves him. So let's create a formula here. This is what it should have been. Jesus absolutely loves Lazarus. Lazarus gets sick. Jesus can heal any sick people. Jesus shows up and heals Lazarus and everybody gives God glory. Right? That's how it should have been. Did it work out that way? No, let's, let's read the real verse. Verse six. So when he heard that Lazarus was ill, he stayed two days longer in the place where he was. Okay, now I am confused. Anybody else? I mean, I thought we were about to see a healing miracle here. And Jesus goes, ah, I'm just going to chill out here. So instead of going to the place where he's needed and helping the people he loves the most, he stays where he is. And what... Here's the thing that even baffles me more, because we see this actually in other chapters before John 11, that Jesus could have healed them in any other ways, right? I mean, Jesus could have just said, you know what? He's healed, right? He could have just sent a word. He's healed. 
He could have just blow his nose here, take this to him, wipe it on his face. He's going to come back. He's going to be good. All right. I mean, there could have been all creative ways that Jesus could have done this. Okay. He didn't technically ever have to leave. He could have stayed and ministered. Maybe he was busy. Okay. Maybe there's a lot of people where he was and he was busy and he just needed to finish up some stuff there. And then, Hey, take a number. I'll get to you when I get to you. But no, we know that Jesus intentionally stayed where he was for two more days. How many of you just get really disappointed when Jesus' plans don't seem to be your plans? And can I just say this? Do you know why that is? Because his perspective is different than yours. So because his perspective is different than your perspective, guess what? His plans are different than your plans. So your timeline is, God, you do this, and then I pray, and then you show up, and then we get healed. That's how we do it, right, God? And God goes, no, we don't do it that way. And they go, well, I've seen you do it all this. Let's just repeat it. Let's just do this again. And Jesus doesn't do it that way. Let's, let's keep reading. Look at verse 7. So after he waits two days in the place where he was, then after this, he said to the disciples, let's go to Judea again. The disciples said to him, Rabbi, the Jews were just now seeking to stone you. Are you going there again? And Jesus answered, are there not 12 hours? Let's skip this. All right. Go to verse 14. Actually, let's go to verse 11. After saying all these things, he said to them, our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but I go to wake him up. The disciples said to him, Lord, if he's fallen asleep, he's going to recover. Now, Jesus had spoken of his death, but they thought that he actually meant taking a nap. Then Jesus told them plainly, Lazarus is dead. So that you may believe, let us go to him. Now, here's where I have a really hard time with this. All right, let's look in verse four. Verse four says this. When Jesus heard it, he said, this illness, what? does not end in death, but it does. So now I have a problem with this. Cause I feel like Jesus lied. It doesn't end in death, but it does. Can I say something that may be really offensive to you? Following Jesus can be very disappointing. Now, I know all of you go, well, loving Jesus, he's always going to make all things new and he works all things out. Not today. He died. He died. Ain't nothing fun about that. Nothing great about that. He died. And the people who thought he was their greatest friend, he didn't show up. And he could have. Following Jesus can be very disappointing sometimes. Because you think things should be done a certain way, and they're not. And most of the time, you're not given an explanation as to why. But you are given a revelation as to who. See, see, in in this, God gives us a sneak peek as to how it ends. But can I let you know, Mary and Martha didn't know that. We get it. They didn't. We get to see how it ends. So we're all like, yeah, it's going to be good. It's going to be good. But they didn't get that part. 
They're still in the midst of grieving over their brother dying and Jesus not showing up and the disappointment of an expectation of Jesus showing up and he doesn't show up. And they're mad. Romans 8.28 says this though. It says, and we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good. Everybody say all things. For those who are called according to his purpose. So the second deep, unshakable truth that we all have to come to terms with is that Jesus is in control. Jesus is in control. Can I be honest with you? The truth is, I can't always tell you why things happen. I can't. I never probably will in some things. But I can always tell you who is in control. I can tell you who. And could it be that God has given you and I a platform of suffering so that other people can witness his power and his grace in our lives? Is that ever a possibility? That God lets you lose a job that you were working on for 27 years so that people that knew that you were building your career and building your life could now watch you say that Jesus is enough. He will be in control. That a marriage that you built on for so long and it just crumbles that you can still stand up and say, he is in control. He's in control. We have to trust God's heart when we can't see his hand. Some of you need to hear that. We've got to trust God's heart when you can't see his hand. God, why is this happening? Why is this going? Where is this going? What is this going? We have to just come. God, I trust you. I trust you. Four weeks ago. No, not even four weeks ago. Two or three weeks ago. Lindsay, Lindsay called me. Uh, it was one of those pick up the phone. And I can hear screaming in the background. What's going on? I'm at work. She's going, Josh, Joel is just screaming incessantly. He will not stop screaming. He's saying his head is throbbing, hurting. Well, what you don't know of is that a week before that, he hit his head on the side of his brother's bookshelf and his ear was all black. And he takes a medicine right now, which causes, can cause severe internal bleeding. Our doctors tell us, don't let him rough house with his brothers. Don't let him get hit. Don't let, if he gets punched in the gut, he could, you know, all the doctors, they share all the good news that every parent wants to hear. And so she's calling me going, he's, he's screaming and screaming and screaming. And I don't know what to do. And so I was like, stay right there. I'm on my way home and I am driving as fast as I can home. And this is what I'm saying. God, I trust you. God, I trust you. God, I trust you. I can't tell you how many times I said that. God, I trust you. I trust you because I don't know what to do. So we call our doctor and say, what do we do? He says, bring them in. And so we do, and we do all the tests, but still you have, I have no clue what's going on. And as a daddy, you want to fix it. Right? You want to just, I, I wish I could take it, but I can't. So what do you do when you can't? What do you do when you, you, you can't do anything about it? You trust him because he's in control. That's a lot easier to preach than it is to live, I promise you. But if Jesus is in control, then here's the truth too. If Jesus is in control, then everything that happens in my life is for my good and for his glory. We see that here. 
verse 4 says, when Jesus heard it, he said, this illness does not lead to death. Now we know it does lead to death. But it is, what is it? It's for the what? It's for the glory of God. So that the Son of God may be glorified through it. All right, let's keep going. So now, verse 17. Now when Jesus came, he found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb for how long? Four days. Okay, that's really significant. Four days, okay? So here's what scholars believe. Scholars believe the first day you're dead. The second day, you're dead. The third day, you're really dead. And the fourth day, you're dead. Okay? Like dead. They actually believe that the spirit of a person would leave its body on the fourth day. They still believe that there could be hope within three days. But after the third day, he's dead. And I think it's very, very crazy that Jesus would actually show up on the fourth day. Because I believe that he wanted to make sure that everyone knew that this thing was over and that he would have to step in if something was going to happen. So can that be for us as well? Sometimes God's just holding out until we come to a place and go, I don't know what else to do. And he goes, good, I was just waiting for that. Finally. Can God just be sitting, waiting, 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 and waiting? So this whole situation looks dead and he goes, okay, now here we go. Because up to that point, we've been trying and trying and trying on our own, our own, our own, our own, our own. Right? And so listen to this. It says, uh, verse 20, uh, no, verse 18. So Lazarus had been in the tomb for four days. Bethany was near Jerusalem, about two miles off. And many of the Jews had come to Martha and Mary to console them concerning their brother. So when Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went and she met him. But Mary remained seated in the house. And Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if what? If you'd been here. Okay, so the third truth that we're going to write down is this. Jesus is here. Jesus is here. says, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. See, we know that the story ends with Lazarus getting raised from the dead. They don't know that. The one who was supposed to heal didn't heal. The one who could have sent a word didn't send a word. And so what are they? disappointed, right? They're mad, right? I mean, they've been walking with Jesus. They've seen him do some incredible miracles already. And so why would he not do that for them? They're frustrated. And rightfully so. They're emotional. They're mad. I can be very honest. I've been very mad with God in the past five or six months. Very mad. Why are we having to do this? Why is this going on? Why is this happening? And it hurts. And I don't know about y'all, but I don't, I don't know if you, if you kind of struggle with this, if you had been there thing. It's, it's about the past. Like, um, and maybe this might be how it goes for you. Like, if my dad had been here, then I would have known what it was to be a real man. And then I would have been a real, real father to my kids. But now I'm not because my dad wasn't here. If my dad had been here. Or if God, if you would have been here when I lost my job, then I wouldn't have had to foreclose on my house. If you would have been here. Or you, you saw them abusing me when I was younger and you didn't stop them. 
You let that keep going on and on and on and on and you saw them abusing me. If you had been here to stop that, then I wouldn't be all messed up like I am today. And we, uh, we have our, if you had been here moments, all of us have those, right? If you had been here for this, if you would had, I would have, but because you didn't, then therefore I'm not this, right? And that's where Martha is right now. Jesus, if you had been here, but I want to read a scripture to you and it's Psalms 23, four, it's a very familiar scripture. I mean, we know Psalms 23, Um, And it says this, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for what? Come on, say it for you are with me, your rod and your staff. They come for me. This is David who is walking through one of the worst times of his life. And he's going, even though. Even though I walk through the valley, even though I am in the midst of the valley, there's one thing that I hold on to, and that is what? You're with me. See, here's the truth about Martha. She didn't think that Jesus was there. Maybe he wasn't there physically, but he was a lot more there than she ever knew. He was there. He knew exactly what was going on. And I love what Martha's response is here. So she's frustrated. She's mad. If you had been here, he'd be alive. But look what she says after this. Look what she says. If you had been here, my brother would not have died. But even now, I know that whatever you ask from God, God will give you. So she's got these two things going against each other. This, I feel this, I'm mad at him, I'm hacked off. But then she goes, but I come back to know that even now you can still do something. So she's going from these emotional sides of what we all deal with to this spiritual confirmation and conviction that God, I trust you. Even now you can do something in the midst of this. I Hate you right now. But even now, you can do something. Hey, I just want to let you know this is how I feel. But even now, and David says, even though I walk through the valley. See, I'm going to just encourage you. You need to stop asking God to to take you out of the situation. And you need to ask him to walk you through the situation. Okay? He's walking you through it. He's not going to pull you out of it. Because see, when he's walking you through it, that means he's with you, which is God's chief concern for suffering is that he's with you. Okay. Notice the disciples were in a boat and storm and all hell and everything breaks loose and they're all freaking out and Jesus is sleeping in the boat. And so they finally like wake him up and he wakes up and he's like, Hey, just quit it. (laughs) Everything quits. And they're like, Oh my goodness. Who are we with? But if they would realize that the, that the storm, that the person who, could, who created the earth was sitting in the boat with them, there would have been no fear there. Because they understood that anything that came their way, he was in control and he was with them. So can I say that for you and for I, as, as I walk through this myself and our families walking through this, through this that, that we, we thank God if there's anything that he's just with us. You can walk through anything if he's just with you. You can't walk through anything if you're walking by yourself, though. He's with you. See, my expectation is not built on a something. My expectation is built on a someone. Amen. 
It's built on a someone. See, when you're lost and you don't know where to go, he's with you as your guide. When you're sick and you don't know where to turn and medicine's not working, guess what? He's with you as a healer. When you're all alone and you don't know where to turn and you feel like everybody's against you, he is with you as a friend. Look at somebody next to you and say, he's with you. Come on, he's with you today. Psalms 46 verse 1 says, God is our refuge and strength, a present help in time of need. He is a very present help in time of need. We don't need answers. We need him. And not only is God with you today, but the great thing is he's actually already in tomorrow. Do you understand that? Jesus is in tomorrow. That's why he says, don't worry about tomorrow. Don't worry about the next day. You know why? Because he's already there. How awesome is that? That means you don't have to worry about anymore what happens tomorrow. Jesus, I trust you. You're with me. You're already with me tomorrow. And I'm not there yet, but you're there. That's kind of crazy. Blow your mind a little bit. But if Jesus is with you, you can't be shaken. Last one, we'll wrap it up. Jesus is victorious. Number four, Jesus is victorious. John 11, verse 23. It says, So Jesus said to her after she said all this, Your brother will rise again. Martha said to him, Oh, I know. He he will rise again in the resurrection on the last day. So Jesus goes, Lazarus is going to raise from the dead. She goes, Oh, I know. I know. You know, when we all die and then, and then Jesus, you know, you're going to come back and we're all going to rise up into the resurrection of the day. And he's like, Woman, oh goodness. Okay, let me. (sighs) So Jesus said to her, okay, listen, shh, hush it. I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? And she says to him, yes, Lord, I believe that. Well, here's the thing. He didn't ask, did you believe that? He said, do you believe this? Do you believe this? Well, I believe that. And she says what that is. I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God, who is coming into the world. See, she's not sure of this. You can actually like resurrect him and all that stuff. Because they haven't seen an actual resurrection from the dead yet. They haven't seen that yet. So she's like, I, yeah, I'm not sure of this. But I do believe this. I believe in you. I believe that you are the Savior. That you are... The son of God. Can I say this? Every unmet expectation that's in my life is a chance to get an upgraded revelation of who God is. Every unmet expectation in my life is a chance to get an upgraded revelation of who God is. I have an iPhone and iMac. I'm all Mac'd out and stuff. And a lot of times my phone will start going real slow. And then I'll find out that there was an upgrade for the phone. I don't know if you've ever gone through an upgrade. You had to go through all the things and, and get an upgrade. And what this upgrade does is it actually, once the upgrade finally gets on your phone, it makes your phone faster and better. And there's sometimes we have unmet expectations and God's wanting to download an upgrade into our life to make it make us better and to view him better. We get an upgraded revelation of who God is. Listen, as, as a 
31, I don't know, 31, 32, however, however old I am. I've for so long been in church and I've heard about how great God is and that God loves me and that God is good. But I tell you what, I got an upgraded revelation of what that is going through a hospital for 42 days. It just got upgraded to a whole nother level. See, because here's, here's the truth. In this passage, in this, up, up to this point, everybody knew that Jesus was a healer. They already knew that. So I just wrote down some of the things up to chapter 11. He healed a leper. He healed a centurion servant. He healed a withered hand. He healed a demon-possessed man. He healed a woman with the issue of blood. He healed a crippled man who had been crippled for 38 years. Jesus disappointed their expectations to exceed them. See, their expectations was they wanted, they wanted a Burger King. They wanted it their way. I've seen you do this. Now I want you to do this with him. And he goes, no. And they go, I don't like that. He goes, I don't care. Because here's the truth. I am the resurrection and the life. You're about to see something you haven't seen before. And he steps in. Because here's the truth. If he did it our way, then he would never teach us about his priority. And one of the things that God really spoke to me over these past six months is, Um, He said, you know, you've seen me heal. You've seen me bless. You've seen me do these things. I need somebody that I can love enough that I can disappoint them and be okay that I know that they're still going to love me. I, I, and God can't just do that with anyone. He did it with Lazarus. Lazarus loved him and he loved Lazarus. And he knew that Lazarus and Mary and Martha would still trust God, even though he disappointed them. And so he does something. If you go and you read the rest of the story, and I encourage you to go read it later on. He actually raises him from the dead. And so Jesus tells him, listen. Here's the truth. You've known me as a healer. If I went and just came and healed this guy, it would just be like regular old news. But I'm going to do something totally different. I'm going to come in and you're going to see me now as the resurrection and the life. You haven't seen that part of me. And so he goes and he raises him from the dead. So here's the truth. What part of God have you not seen yet in him that he wants to show you? What part is that? Philippians 3.10, I'm going to end with this last scripture. It says that I mean, this is Paul in prison yet again. And he's going this, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection. And may I share in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, that by any means possible, I may attain the resurrection of the dead. That I may know him. Is that what we want more than anything is to know him? Let me ask you this question. Are you okay with suffering to know him and to make him known? See, we want to know God in the blessings, but we don't want to know God in the sufferings. But we know God more in the sufferings than we ever do in the blessings. And so today I, I, I come with encouragements and to say that every time we go to the doctor, we're, we're trusting God. 
We're trusting God. You, we don't know what report we're going to get. A month ago, it was, he's going to need a lung transplant in a month. And then we went back a week and a half ago, and they were like, he's doing great. And I can go back in another month, and they can go, he needs a lung transplant again. I don't know what's going to happen. And I love the, past, the little quote that Lindsay said in the video. She says, we don't know what the future holds, but we know who holds the future. And I don't know what you're going through. I have no clue. And I am not pitting my suffering up with anybody else's. Your suffering is your suffering. What you're going through is hard, whether it's a marriage or it's a kids or it's a job or it's, it's something physical in your body. I don't know what it is. But, but can I encourage you with this? Can, can you just say, God, I just trust you. You love me. You're in control. You're with me. And the greatest news is you're victorious. See, the great news of the gospel is that we don't die. We live on. He defeated death, hell, and the grave. If there's anybody that's more disappointed, it's God on our end. We've disappointed him way more than he's disappointed us. And can I tell you right now, the fact that you're standing in this room is God's grace. The fact that we're not going to hell is God's grace. The fact that we have life is God's grace. The fact that we get to do what we do is God's grace. We should be getting what we deserve, which is hell and separation from God. But he hasn't. He's loved us. And he's loved us through the many disappointments that we've disappointed him with. And so, yeah, there's times where I want to get mad at God and go, God, you, you're continually disappointing me. You're not healing me. Is it, do I not have enough faith? Do I, am I not doing something right? Am I not? And God just continually brings me back to, do you trust me? And do you know that I'm with you? Do you know that I got this? And do you know that ultimately this is victorious? And we stand here today as a couple and as a family begging you to pray for us but also wanting to be an example to you that Jesus is enough. I want my son to be healed more than anything in this world. But if we have to walk through this, I don't want to miss out on what God's wanting to teach me. And I don't want to miss out on what God wants to do, how he wants to point people to him through this. Can God trust you to suffer so that people can come to know him? Every person in the Bible that you see that God used mightily, he hurt deeply. He hurt him deeply. Because that's the way that he gets his name spread throughout the world. So today we want to, I want to pray for you. And uh, I just want to do this. Um, if you're walking through something right now and you need encouragement and strength, maybe it's something above your head, maybe it's something you're just going through, um, I would like you to stand just right where you are. I would like you to stand, and I want to pray over you and, uh, and pray that God would bring these deep, unshakable truths into your heart, and that can help you. So let's go ahead. If that's you, will you stand? Just walking through something? You just need prayer? Come on, stand all over this room. Come on. Mm-mm-mm-mm-mm. Father, I pray today that we would be able to pray like Paul prayed. That by any means possible, we may know you. We may know you. We thank you that anything that comes into our life, 
that comes into our life is from you in a way that's loving. That's for your glory and your goodness. God, we thank you that we will bless you when you give and when you take away. God, we will honor you. We will seek you. God, would you strengthen us? Would you be with us? God, would you remind us that you are in control? Would you remind us that you are victorious over the things that are in our life that seem to continually come back? God, we thank you, Lord, that you are good. That you are good. And this is what I want you to do, because you're going to have to start making these declarations in your life over your situation. Can you just right there where you are, just declare to the Lord who he is in your life? Maybe it's God, thank you that you've been faithful. God, thank you that you are a healer. Even though we may not see it, we thank you that this is what you are. This is your character. God, we thank you that you are good. God, we thank you that you've been a friend. God, we thank you that you are a guide. God, we thank you, Lord, that you are our ever-present help in time of need. And we come as a people. And God, we ask, would you help? Would you help? Would you be with us? Lord, we love you. We love you. We thank you that we live in your grace every day. We live in your grace every day. So, Father, would you remind us of these truths when the enemy wants to remind us that you're not there, when the enemy wants to remind us that you don't love us, when the enemy wants to remind us of these things, may these truths from your word reverberate in our heart and penetrate deep in our souls in Jesus name. And everyone said.